everyone, it's DJ. This week, let's talk about rumor mills, bad information, confusing stories, all that good stuff. Well, we've all heard the comments and confusing statements from barracks lawyers and frustrated people going through medical boards. No one really seems to know what's going on. One statement doesn't match another. It can get really annoying and uh, you know, just increase the, the frustration and the, uh, the lack of situational awareness. So let's break all this down, figure out what's going on. In fact, what is going on? You know, I'm talking specifically about those service members who have been going through a medical board and they have a disability rating from their branch of service. And now they're talking about how much money they're going to get each month as a result. So they might say something like, my VA rating is 50%. My PEBLO, Physical Evaluation Board Liaison Officer, says that I'm going to get my disability and my VA compensation at the same time. Isn't that great? Sound familiar? Well, I've heard this song before, and I'm sure you have too. The service member's talking about concurrent retirement and disability pay. He believes he's going to get his disability retirement and his VA compensation without any sort of offset as a result of that VA payment. Sadly, what he's been told isn't correct. Why is that, you might ask? Well, the answer, you know, as simple as I'm going to make it, is still going to be a little bit convoluted, but I'll do my best. Here are a few possibilities as to why the information he has either is wrong or not entirely correct. So now keep in mind, though, that I'm not trying to bash anybody here. I'm just talking about things that I've seen from my own experience and uh, some observations from uh, peers around the country as well. Even though I'm talking about drill pay, though, uh, I am talking about how VA interacts with military money. I would recommend going back and watching my video or, for those on the podcast, my audio, my podcast episode entitled, Should I Take Drill Pay or VA Compensation? There's some good information there. Even though it's talking about drill pay, the same basic rules apply and I think you'll find it quite informative. Anyway, I'm talking about mainly the Physical Evaluation Board Liaison Officers and the Military Service Coordinators, or MSCs, the VA side of things. They are the primary source of information for people going through medical boards, and they tend to have this problem. They are what I call active duty centric. This means that they're looking at things primarily from an active duty perspective and not necessarily understanding or thinking about how things might be on the reserve side. As close as the two are, you know, there are some, some differences between active duty and reserve, believe it or not. Hence my presence here. Why would I do this if it were all the same? So this centrism can cause a great deal of confusion, frustration, etc. For reservists. The next problem that uh, the PEBLOs and MSCs often have is they're new to their job. 
or just as bad, their caseloads are constantly being shuffled. So many reservists have reported going through medical boards and having two, three, four Peblos or MSCs or more sometimes uh, as they go through this journey. This lack of continuity, again, can lead to a lot of confusion as each Peblo tells a slightly different story. So you start wondering what's real, what's true. Again, not bashing people, this is just what I've observed. And for those new Peblos out there, they're still learning their jobs. And we can give them some credit, or at least, you know, trying to get it right. But very often they're giving partial or sometimes uh, conflicting information. I wouldn't blame them uh, for uh, intentionally leading people astray. That's not what they're trying to do. They're just not yet sure of the facts. But they will get better. The problem is when Joe, Joe Reservist, is going through all of this, he doesn't know what's real and what's not. So he's kind of left hanging in that regard. So if you're going through a medical board right now, I would recommend you know, go ahead and listen to your Peblo. They, they have good information. But I would also recommend verifying what you learn with a retirement services officer. Although sometimes even they can be new, well, we do transfer jobs, but uh, just get a second opinion. Well, be sure before you start making decisions. Now, worst of all, since we are talking about concurrent retirement and disability pay, or CRDP as it's often called, sometimes even uh, a sh an easier thing to say is concurrent receipt, uh, this sounds very similar to another type of pay out there called combat-related special compensation, or CRSC. So especially when you use just the letters, just the acronyms, they sound very similar. These two programs you know, have, even have criteria that confuse people because they do seem like they're the same thing, but uh, they're actually quite different. But you can start to see how Peblos, MSCs, and even RSOs out there, retirement services officers, can even get confused. In fact, when I was talking to a co-worker about this, oh, four or five months ago, even he, after having been here for a year, was getting it flipped in his head as to which was which. So it's easy to do until you've got some experience under your belt. So, all of this, you know, is now laid out. So what is CRDP. What is it? How does it actually work? Well, here's the truth. Concurrent retirement and disability pay, or we'll just say concurrent receipt for short, allows for service members who are fully eligible to receive a length of service retirement, usually meaning you have at least 20 qualifying years, to also receive VA compensation without an offset if they have a minimum VA disability rating of 50%. Clear as mud. And remember, this rating is different from the rating you get from your branch of service. Now, back up. That was a long sentence. Let's make that a little easier. I'll break it down into bullet points. If all of the things I'm about to say apply to you, then you're eligible for concurrent receipt. One, you have at least 20 qualifying years of service. 
two. You have a VA rating of 50% or higher. Three, you are old enough to receive that reserve retirement. All of those have to apply. And that's where things get tripped up. Because many people think that they just need the first two, just have some sort of retirement and have a 50% rating. But that's not the case. You've got to be fully eligible, like I said earlier. And part of the eligibility on the reserve side is reaching the, the right age to start to receive retired pay. Medical disability retirements are not considered length of service retirements, and they're not eligible for concurrent receipt. This isn't something that was you know, put together to try to mess over service members. This is actually federal law, and I'll even quote an old commercial since it is part of law. Sorry, Charlie. Do I date myself when I say that? All right, so let's dig a little deeper. I'm going to loosely quote from the Department of the, uh, uh, not Department, Defense Finance and Accounting Service, or DFAS. They have a page about CRDP eligibility. I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm not even going to read the whole page, but I am going to read some down here with some clarifications, modifications, um, slight changes just to make it easier to understand from me. So pardon me while I do a little bit of reading here. And, you know, in some cases I changed words around or changed a word just again to make it clear and not get so caught up in legalese. So, you may be eligible for concurrent receipt if you are a regular active duty retiree with a VA disability rating of 50% or greater, or you are a reserve retiree with 20 qualifying years of service who has a VA disability rating of 50% or higher, and who has reached retirement age. That's the key word there. You are retired under Temporary Early Retirement Act, TARA, and have a VA disability rating of 50% or higher. This is another active duty retirement, so that doesn't even apply to us. You are a disability retiree who earned retirement eligibility under any other provision of law other than solely by disability. And you have a VA disability rating of 50% or greater. So you see from all of those, disability retirement is not eligible for concurrent receipt. That is where that fictional soldier I mentioned earlier has it wrong. He thinks he'll get disability retirement and VA compensation without any sort of offset. But as we just saw from the DFAS information, that's not true. That offset is still going to happen. So this soldier is in for a bit of a surprise. And for you RSOs out there, it's best if people like us inform these soldiers of what's about to happen so they can be prepared. So that might not be you know, 
good information as far as pleasant to hear, but the right information is more important than feel-good information. I know this can be stressful, sometimes even heartbreaking, at least financially heartbreaking, when when people learn how the money is actually going to work. But again, if you have the right information, you can plan accordingly and make the right decisions as you go. So, how does it work? Well, you don't actually apply, or maybe I should say usually don't apply, for CRDP. I've seen this work both ways, so I'm going to describe both sides of this. I've seen both sides of this work. Sometimes things get weird. But anyway, when I assist disability retirees with applying for pay, and I'm specifically talking to RSOs out there now, uh, I will check their records to see if they have you know, 20 or more years of qualifying service. That simply means I'm looking for a 20-year letter. If I find it, then I include that letter as, long, as well as a final retirement point statement and reserve component survivor benefit election, along with the other stuff, which I actually mentioned last week. This lets DFAS know that this retiree is going to be eligible for CRDP later on. And that has often worked. Every now and then, things get weird, and that prior notification doesn't quite work. So what do you do then? Well, in this case, really, it's just the same thing. You send the normal retired pay application packet. So, uh, again, just RSOs, so everyone else, you know, take a three-second break. DD-2656, DD-108, 20-year letter. Discharge order, point statement, RCSVP election. Send those things to the branch of service, and they will do their normal rigmarole and produce a statement, you know, each to their own format, which they will then send to DFAS detailing all the things for which that retiree is eligible, including CRDP. Like I said, I've had it happen both ways. Sometimes you end up having to do both for for one individual. But as long as it works, that's why we're here. But like I said a moment ago, you need to keep a close eye on your own status and be prepared to try both ways. If you're an RSO, be available for these folks just in case. And if you're a retiree, I don't recommend trying to do this yourself because at least from what I've seen, a lot of retirees end up making frantic phone calls in every direction to every person they can think of trying to find an answer, and it normally ends up frustrating them all the more. And that added vexation doesn't help. It just uh, adds to their stress level. So RSOs are really the key to success here. Unlock the door to this obstacle uh, by using that proper key. So. For medically retired service members, believe it or not, hope is not lost if if you are having a VA offset to your disability retired pay. There is another type of program out there, which I mentioned earlier, which makes up for some or even all of that offset. 
That's called combat-related special compensation. And unlike CRDP, which is usually just a keystroke, an automatic keystroke even, CRSC is not automatic. In fact, there's an entirely separate special packet that has to go to your branch of service in order to initiate it. I'll cover more on that next week. For now, I hope that the last 16, 17 minutes or so have been informative, useful, educational, maybe even a little entertaining. Uh, if you have questions or comments about what I've covered today, please drop a comment in the comment section or send me an email at dj at rcretirement.com, and I'll be sure to clarify any issue you might have. On YouTube, don't forget to uh, subscribe to my channel. Uh, for podcast listeners, go to iTunes and subscribe there. These are both valuable tools in retirement education, and so naturally, I encourage you to spread the word about all of these different formats, YouTube and podcast and my website. Spread the word about all of these, please. Be sure to hit that like button for videos on the YouTube channel. And uh, if you feel the urge, I encourage you to even write a review in iTunes about this podcast, this YouTube channel, this entire outreach venture, so that hopefully we can make it easier to find this information through all of these different formats and get this knowledge into more heads. So, moving on. If you have any topics you'd like me to cover in the future, again, leave a comment below or send me an email. I will, of course, do the research and make that a future episode for you, unless you're asking me how giraffes, you know, fly or something like that. Then that one may or may not end up as an episode. Also, you'll be, you can find lots of information, lots of great, useful tools in the resources section of my website. Enough of that. As always, I thank you for joining me, for being a part of this audience, for helping me with your comments and your encouragement. I ask that you continue to join me each week. Again, thank you one, one and all for being in this audience, and of course, thank you for your service. Have a great day.